And I've watched this young man make right decisions over and over again. The Bible and life are full of examples where young men did not choose the values of their fathers. And Brother Nathan Morton has chosen good values, not just because they're his fathers, but because they're right. Hallelujah. And he made up his mind, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Amen. And, uh, and I'll tell you something. I'm, I can say some things here that neither he or his father either one could say. But I'm, I'm an outsider. I'm looking on this thing. Sometimes people think, well, you know, if so-and-so was my dad or this or that or the other. Well, I'll tell you something about that. Number one, it may open doors for you, but it may shut some doors as well. Number two, any doors that it opens, if you don't have what it takes, they ain't going to be open very long. Somewhere you have to establish that you have the goods. You either got it or you don't have it, and there's nobody whose coattails you can ride on. And Brother Nathan Morton has hewed out his own ministry and his own style and his own way. He took a church seven and one-half years ago in the city of Chico in Northern California, which is not an easy area. For those of you that know California, it's not an easy area. He took a church, and the building had seating for 32 people, and it was less than half full. He had 14 people. And uh, since that time, in seven and a half years, they are now in their third building. The church is running 115, 120 steady. They have 45, at least 45 people here at this conference. Hallelujah! Amen. And none of that just happens because you hope it happens. Somewhere somebody has to set their shoulder to the wheel and set their face and set their jaw and get their knees in the carpet and say, God, we're going to see this through by your grace and your glory. And Brother Nathan Morton has the grit in him. We love him, and we appreciate him very, very, very much. And uh, we'll just, we're just, we're just do this uh, my style today. In our place, whenever we have a visiting minister, we really want him to know. Now, I mean, we really... We don't want to fool around. We want them to know that we're ready and we want to hear the preaching of the Word of the Lord. So we don't just suggest it. We scream it. I mean, we lift up our voice and scream, Preach the Word! So, Brother Nathan Morton, we want you to come and we want you to... Praise the Lord. Let's give God the glory. Oh, let's praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Oh, that's right. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Him. Oh, that's right. 
Let's lift him up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank God for the good spirit of praise and worship that's in the house this morning. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you be seated just a moment. And, and I appreciate those good words. I do. But I'm telling you, I, I didn't do it on my own. Uh, God, I just showed up. <laughs> and God, God has just been good. There's no magical formula. There's no, uh, I don't have any unique thing. Uh, God's just been good. And, and it's, uh, I surely did not do it on my own. I look around and see these good saints of God that are here from Chico. And I'm going to tell you something. These are the best saints in Pentecost. Hallelujah. These are good people, faithful people. And uh, we've been coming to West Coast 21 years. And, uh, and the preaching here and the influence, the fellowship, all of these years has saved my soul and uh, made genuine apostolics out of my family and the saints that I pastor. I thank God for this meeting. And I want to say this. I, I am from Fresno. That's my roots. That's my home church. And I thank God for that church. I thank God for my father, who's also my pastor and my elder. I thank God. I thank God for that. And I, and I want to say this publicly. <clears throat> I know that, uh, that, that it's not always thought about, but I was sitting at the minister's dinner last night and I'm going to tell you something, all of us from out of the area that don't carry uh, the, the day-to-day burden of this meeting, I want to say to the Fresno Saints and the Fresno Church, we appreciate what you do for us. That's right. I'm telling you, it's a big, expensive, laborious job. And I want you saints to know from Fresno, we, we appreciate it and do not. You are blessing our churches. You're blessing my family in what you do all throughout the year working on this. And, and we really do appreciate it. And, um, you know, you're sitting here and you're supposed to, you know, they give you an hour slot. Well, if I preach too short, my dad will say, what's the matter, boy? Didn't you pray and study long enough to get you a message? If I preach too long, he'll say, hey boy, did you watch quit working? Well, anyway, hallelujah. But I remember one time we were looking for our second building. My dad goes, he was up there helping me look for property. He said, you know, Nathan, if you'd preach holiness, you wouldn't need another building. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't trade my father. He, he, he's been a rock in my life. He's, and I appreciate him and I love him. And what he's done for my family and our church. Hallelujah. And it, I'm, I, I want to say my, my wife's mother and father, brother and sister, Ray Claiborne, they're with us in Chico now, have been for a while, and these are precious good people. And I'm so glad they're here today. And all of my, my family's here and my wife over there singing. And right now she's nervous because... A lot of times I'll talk about <clears throat> what a great lady she is. And people may come up to me, saints in the church, and say, Oh, Brother Morton, we appreciate you so much. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, much of what I am today has been because of, of her influence on my life. That's a good, godly woman. And besides that, she's a fox. 
<laughs> but anyway, I told her I wouldn't do that today because we're going to be sophisticated today. But I'm telling you, saints, we're privileged for the word that has gone forth in this meeting. That the spirit that swept in here last night, I'm telling you, man, how how fresh and anointing and 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 just it, it's just I am so thankful for the environment and the climate that is always present uh, in West Coast. And God has used these men to speak to us, to work on us, and change us. And I am very thankful for it. We know that God is going to move when Brother King and Brother Godier minister, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Let's all stand together and turn to Mark chapter 9. Attending West Coast is a lot of fun. Especially when you're not preaching. And you sit up here. You don't know what it's like preaching at the at night. And and there's, you know, 50, 60 other ministers up here. And they're all preaching with you. I mean, there's 80 sermons going on at once. Because the man in the pulpit gets to preaching. And your brain gets to work. And everybody else's brain gets to working around you. And everybody's quoting scripture. Say, oh my God, my God. And you're thinking, if I was up there, whoo, this is what I'd say. And then they call you up. Say, we, we, we want you to preach at West Coast this year. And all that stuff you were thinking about last year at West Coast goes poof. And your mind just goes, it's as if you've never preached before in your life and you're just a plumber. And here we are at West Coast. But, uh. I feel like God has laid something on my heart, so let's hurry up and make this mess so Brother King can fix it. Mark chapter 9. Now I want to say this. Now I do want to say this. As thankful as I am for this meeting, I want to say this to the saints of God. If you can only get pumped up here, and then go home and complain that your home church isn't West Coast, that might be the reason. Friend, let me tell you something. Your home church, your home church is what's saving your soul. That's what's going to get your kids to heaven. That's what's going to get your grandkids to heaven. That's what's going to get us straight, keep us straight. Hallelujah. We need to take some of that spirit back home with us. Mark chapter 9, and I'm watching the time, don't worry. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John. And leadeth them up into an high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. Verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they had beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him, 
And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. And they could not. And he answereth them, he answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him, bring him unto me. Kind of a different picture here than how the chapter started. They brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? He said, Of a child, and oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help. And I want to preach just for a little while this morning with the help of God. And after last night's message, we've got to have the help of God. I want to preach just for a little while the moment of meaning. The moment of meaning. Let's let's pray together. Lord, I come to you and I pray, God, I want your message to go forth. I don't want it to be my words. I don't want it to be my personality. don't want it to be my style. I want it to be the message of the Spirit, the message of the Word, the Spirit, the attitude that you have for this service, the burden of the Word of the Lord for this service. I pray, God, that that is what would be, that's what would be achieved in this session this morning. Lord, use this next little while to do your work among your people. I pray in Jesus' name, talk to us. Oh, let's pray. Let's open our hearts, saints, for God to talk to us. Let's open our hearts, saints. We want God to do something. We want God to move. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. I believe God's going to do good things. I believe God's going to do good things. Such a good, good, sweet spirit we feel here this morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Now get the picture here with me. Here they are on the mount. And suddenly the divine presence and the glory of God sweeps around them, enveloping them like a cloud. In fact, you read this story in Luke chapter 9 and it talks about that it was like a cloud they walked into. Like walking into a fog. And, and, and we've been in those rare occasions, been in those services where the, the glory and the power of God was so thick. Like it was last night. It swept into this place just a wave. You could... It It was undeniable. It was irresistible. Even if someone would have been standing in this place last night having no experience with the presence of God, having no experience with, with a move of the Spirit, they would have known that something was there. They would have known that something swept into the place. And, and I want you to imagine the feeling we had last night and, and just multiply that countless times uh, and the feeling they had as, the, as the, the divine presence of God just sweeps around them. 
I remember a service many years ago. In fact, Brother Godair was preaching. This is when West Coast was in the sanctuary of, of the Fresno Church. And, and, and Brother, Brother Godair preached the stupidity of the specialists. And it was about the preeminence of oneness and Jesus' name and the power of the name and the power uh, the, of the Godhead as represented in Jesus. And I remember, I've never seen it since. I'd never seen it before. But I remember that the, the presence of the Lord swept in there so strong that it was literally, you could see it. It was like a haze in the building. The presence was so powerful and so dominant. I remember Brother Goder had to step away from the pulpit. He couldn't even minister for a while. And it was like just a, 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 a surf that swept across that building. And you could feel it. The, the hairs prickling because of the electricity of, of the presence of God. And here's Peter, here's James, here's John with Jesus. Uh, and they're enveloped in this manifestation. They're enveloped in this Shekinah glory. And then, to top it all off, here's Moses. Here's Elias. Uh, they're face to face with the great prophets. Uh, they are seeing them uh, as a man would walk, uh, talk with his companion and and the voice from heaven this is my son uh, and it thunders out he said hear him uh, it was a it was a west coast encounter Woo, boy we are cranking now we are getting things busting out now. And I thank God for it. Uh, I come to West Coast year after year. I need what we had last night. I need what we had yesterday. I need what we had uh, Wednesday night with Brother Buxton. I need what we're going to have later today. Folks, there are times uh, we've got to shut things out uh, and get a hold of God. Uh, there's times we've got to rouse ourselves uh, and stir ourselves up. And nothing will work uh, except getting a hold of God. There are times you're, you're not going to be able to administrate it. Like Brother Garrett was preaching last night. You can't think it through. You can't, you can't preach it through. You've got to get a hold of God. And here they are in a saturating environment. So much glory. They don't even know what to do with it. And Peter pops off. Well, Lord, look at what's happening now. Look at what's going on now. Man, we've never seen it like this. We've never had services like this in the synagogue. Boy, it's cranking. Things are hopping. Things are pumping. We're, we're, we're rolling. We're, we're, we're moving. Let's build us some tabernacles. Come on, let's just keep on having it like we've been having it. And Peter and James and John get all inspired. And there's nothing wrong with that. And they start talking about, boy, let's build three tabernacles. One for Elias and one for Moses and one for Jesus. And we could make it a retreat. We could make it a conference center. And we could bring people people up here and talk about what's taking place and talk about this move of the Spirit and on and on and on and all the while Jesus is going down off the mountain. Hey, Jesus. Hey, uh, we got things going, Lord. We're making big plans. Where are you headed? Where are you going, Lord? Uh, we, we've got big things planned. We're having, we're having conference. We've got us uh, some big events. And don't, don't anybody misinterpret 
what I'm saying this morning. I can't spend a lot of my message qualifying everything. Uh, hallelujah. But here they are with their big plans. Here they are enjoying this glory. And they should. Uh, here they are soaking it up. Uh, and, and, and just drinking it in. Uh, but they, do, they don't realize uh, that there was a commission that came along with the experience. Uh, they don't realize uh, that Jesus' big plan uh, was not three tabernacles on the top of that mountain. Jesus' big vision, Jesus' big view, the vista that Jesus was seeing, you see, in Peter's mind and in James and John's mind, that was the moment as they stood in His glory, as they stood with that cloud surrounding them, soaking it up. That was their moment. We've never had a moment like this. But Jesus was leading them down off the mountain. Hey boys, thank God for this. Thank God for this moment. Peter, James, and John, this is glorious. But this really isn't the moment that it's all relevant. This really isn't the moment that it really means anything. This isn't really the moment that's the pinnacle. Even though you're on the mountaintop, and even though it's so, oh, please hear me this morning, even though it's on the mountaintop, even though you've never seen anything like this, I want you now to get the other picture in your mind. They're stepping out of this enveloping presence. They're walking down off the mountain. And when they get to the bottom of that mountain, there is a desperate soul that's crying out, saying, I thank God that you're coming down off of a mountaintop experience, but can you do anything for me? Can you do anything for me? How can you help me? I've got a son that's bound. I've got a soul that's in bondage. I've got Oh, friend, you got to hear me this morning. That was the moment uh, that the mountaintop was for. you got to get a revelation of what I'm preaching this morning. Thank God for the pinnacle. Thank God for the mountaintop. Thank God for the sweeping presence of the Lord. But that is not the moment that defines us. That is not the moment. The big event wasn't sitting in the glory cloud, but translating it into ministry, translating it where it works down on the street, where it works down there where the people are. First John chapter five, verse 19, it says, we are of God, little children. And friend, there's a mouthful. There's several messages just in that. We are of God. He is our sire. We're going to get our spiritual genes from him. We're going to dress like he dresses. We're going to think like he thinks. We're going to act like he acts. Why? Because that's what children do. They're like, they're like their parents. But that verse goes on. We like to stay in the first part of the verse and shout about being the people of God, being the children of God. We like to shout about, whoo, we are of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ and thank God for it. And we should shout about it. And then when that revelation of our sonship comes to us, it should change our life but that verse goes on 
We are of God, little children. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. There's, there's another revelation that comes with the revelation of sonship. And that's the revelation of soul winning. We are of God. And the whole world. Now think about that. It doesn't even match. It doesn't even seem to fit. But he's saying don't forget in your sonship. Don't forget in the glory of who you are. Don't forget in your wonderful identity as the people of God. That there's a reason why we're the people of God. There's a reason why he gave us the gospel. There's a reason why he's blessed us with money and buildings and energy and talent. There's a reason. It's not to build a tabernacle on a mountaintop. But the moment that means anything, the moment that matters is when we walk down off of that mountain top. And we've got something to offer desperate souls that don't have an answer or a chance anywhere else. The whole world lieth in wickedness. Hallelujah. I remember when I first started getting involved. First started getting involved in soul winning. I remember my grandpa, my father's, my mother's father, would take me out as a young boy knocking doors. I'd just go with him door to door knocking doors. I can't explain this. This is something you can't, you're not going to get it out of a book. You're not going to get it out of a seminar. You may not even get, get it out of what I'm talking about this morning. I cannot explain. I cannot explain, but there's something that if you let it, and if you care about it, there's something that gets into you when you start walking the streets. There's something that gets in you when you start knocking doors. There's something, there's something about it. And some of you right now are saying, well, what's so big about that? If you could feel what I'm feeling, you'd realize what's so big about it. I remember he'd take me knocking doors, and something got in me, and I started helping another lady at 12. And then, and then when I turned 16, they gave me a bus route, but I didn't have a bus. <laughs> I had a Chevette. Sorry, Dad, it was a Chevy. He's a Ford man. Hey, you were there when I bought it. Anyway, I didn't have a bus. They said, we'll just start picking them up in your car. And I remember one time, <laughs> I, oh... It was a hatchback and had 12 kids. Oh, man, that was stupid. Don't go home and do that. But I remember, how am I going to get these kids in here? And I went and bought myself a big old bag of those miniature Snicker bars. And I opened up the hatchback and I just slung Snicker bars all over that car. And those kids just piled in there and I just crammed it shut. Hallelujah. Why? 
Because, friend, that might not be as glamorous as preaching up here at West Coast. And that might not be as exciting as being the lead in the choir. But there was a revelation I had. That was the moment that mattered. That was the defining moment. That's what it was all about. That's why there's the gospel. That's why there's churches. Oh, you've got to get it in you. You've got to get the spirit of soul in it. You've got to get the spirit of evangelism. You've got to get the spirit of caring about the Oh, Lord, sweep into this place this morning. God, let your spirit, God, let your spirit sweep into this place. Hallelujah. 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 But I remember that was a Victory Park route. That was a route we knocked doors around Victory Park. And I remember trying to get people to help me, trying to get a van or a bus or something. And when we just couldn't do it at that time, and, and I'd get somebody to help me, they'd help me a couple of weeks, and then they wouldn't help anymore. And, and then I'd go out and try to get somebody else, and I'd get some new kids, and the Baptist church would come along and take them, and I'd have to go get some others. And I'd drop my little hatchback Chevette, and I'd sit there one Saturday knocking doors and it was blowing and raining and cold and I was fed up. And I sat there in my car and said, Lord, this is so stupid. What am I doing? What am I doing? Can't do this. Can't do that. Here I am out here. And the Lord dealt with me sitting in that car with the rain running down the windows. God said, it's not about you. It's not about what you think and what you feel. It's not about your little picture of being a glamorous young man used of God. That's not what it's about. It's about Frankie de Los Angeles. I still remember Frankie. The first faithful bus kid I had on my first bus ride. It's about Frankie. It's about Bobby. It was a girl, Bobby, and her mother was a witch. And she said, my mother cast a spell on you last night. I had the weird bus, man. Didn't even have a bus. When my Chevette pulled in the parking lot, Sunday school teachers ran. Here comes Morton and his weird wagon. I'm going to tell you something. I got a revelation. Sitting on Pershing Avenue that day. It's not about your visions of glamour, boy. It's not about your mountaintop experience. It's not about you preaching conferences. It's not about you being known. It's about lost people. It's about souls. It's about heaven and hell and the only hope of the gospel. That's what it's about. And you may judge me this morning and think he's just being dramatic. He's just putting on a show. You don't understand how much I believe this. You don't understand how deep this is in me. I believe this as strong as I believe Acts 2.38. I believe this as strong as I believe the oneness of God. I believe this as strong as I believe holiness and separation. If we're going to be truly apostolic, we've got to have a revelation of soul winning. 
I know the words revival and evangelism have been misused. I know that. I know that some have hijacked the legitimate gospel directive of reaching the lost for their own aggrandizement and marketing of self. I understand that. I understand that preaching the way I'm preaching today, you could be judged for, well, you're just one of the big crusader mass marketing hype guys. Let me tell you something. I learned a long time ago that I'm not going to let the fakes keep me from doing the will of God. Not going to let the phonies tuck me away in a corner somewhere with my arms folded, all bowled up and bitter. I'm not going to let them hijack revival and steal it. I believe in soul winning. I believe in winning lots of souls. I believe in praying a lot of people through. And I'm just going to say it, honey. If you don't believe that, you're not apostolic. The heartbeat of God is soul winning. The heartbeat of God is reaching the lost. If you want to call yourself apostolic, you better be ready to call yourself a soul winner. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something around Chico. If you're not a door knocker, if you're not a Sunday school teacher, if you're not willing to use your car to pick up people for, 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 for church, uh, if you're not a soul winner around Chico, you're going to get mighty uncomfortable. In fact, I think I may make it a rule around our church while I'm preaching right now. I may make it a rule around our church. You're not singing in the choir. You're not doing anything else uh, until you put some time in this month soul winning. Yeah, yeah. I know that some have counterfeited the legitimate. Man, you, you know, sometimes I used to get frustrated till I found out they were lying. Sorry. But man, you'd go to all the big meetings and all the big revival seminars. And, I mean, some of these dudes, every plane they get on, they're sitting next to an ambassador or a senator or something. I'm going to go build me a church down at the airport. But man, you're sitting there. And by the time their stories are with, everybody in the plane is laying in the middle aisle talking in tongues. And they had to land the plane themselves because the captain was slain in the spirit. I'm sitting here thinking, I've got six-year-olds casting spells on me. Something's wrong, man. Got to get back in my weird man. I get on a plane, and there's a blind, deaf, toothless old woman on one side drooling on my tray table. And on the other side, there's a guy with a son of Osama tattoo on his forehead. I'm just kind of sitting there. Oh, well, how you doing? Read any good Korans lately? <laughs> I remember standing next to my father one time, and they were telling one of their big stories. That was a nice way of saying it. 
And they were talking about some senator, something, you know, I don't know, space alien they prayed through. I remember my dad turned to me and said, whales. And that's all he said. Now I'm used to him being off the wall. But that was pretty off the wall. I said, whales. He said, yeah, whales. He said, all they catch is whales. I'll make you fishers of men, he said, and these guys go out and catch Namu. That's all they ever catch. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I'm looking for a no-name little bus kid living in a dilapidated apartment somewhere. I'm looking for some old methamphetamine freak that doesn't know his name. But get him into the altar. And we'll pray him through and have revival. I'm not worried about the fakes and the phonies. I'm not worried about the dudes that are out there lying about it. I'm not worried about that. Just send me home to Chico and let me knock some doors. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving. The Holy Ghost is moving. Come on, catch it. Catch the spirit of soul winning. Catch the spirit of evangelism. Catch it. Catch it. Catch it. Reach out there right now and grab a hold of it. And I'm going to tell you something, Brother Booker. All it takes is one. All it takes is one person, young, old, in between. One person says, I am going to be a soul winner. I'm going to teach Bible studies. I'm going to knock doors. I'm going to load up my, my car full of muddy, filthy, smelly kids. And I'm going to bring All it takes is one with a revelation. And it will blow your church wide open. Ooh, this is fun. Hallelujah. 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 And let me clarify. When I talk about soul winning revival and evangelism and outreach, I'm talking about the one God, Acts 2.38, holiness kind. I'm not talking about the froofy fake stuff. All this talk of revival, all this talk of crusades, yet there's no doctrine. There's no holiness. We're just trying to build a bridge. Let me tell you something. That bridge goes both ways, friend. You better be careful building them bridges. I don't see bridges in the scripture. I see nets. Cast forth your net. Cast forth your net and catch them. I'm not talking about that. That's not revival. The Bible says, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. You don't go out into the dark to bring them to the light. You stand in the light and bring them in to the light. Hallelujah. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will lead and guide you to where? All truth. Not just the truth you're comfortable with. Not just the truth that's ecumenically popular. Not just the truth that goes down easy like licorice. But when the Spirit, let me tell you something, they're talking about the Spirit of God moving in all these charismatic Trinitarian circles. I believe it can happen. I believe it can happen. But hear me, friend, if the Spirit of truth is really moving, if it is the Spirit of God, not just a Spirit, 
But if it's the Spirit of God, they're going to get a oneness revelation. They're going to get a revelation of holiness. They're going to start dressing right. They're going to start acting right. They're going to get rid of some of their music. They're going to quit cutting their hair. They're going to quit wearing makeup. They're going to go... Because when the Spirit of truth comes, He takes you to all of truth. This is just soul winning preaching. But hear me, Pastor Friend. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we get intimidated by all this. And sometimes we get so fixated on the sham. We forget there's a real. We forget that soul winning is a promise of God to the church. Not just a promise of God. We better do it. Some of us wouldn't think of being Trinitarian or dressing unholy. Or acting unholy. Or having lustful thoughts. Someone's one thing of doing that. But we haven't moved our carcass to knock a door teach a Bible study in years. That's not apostolic either. That's disobedience also. That's carnality also. Uh-huh. Oh, pastor, I like all that holiness. I like all that doctrine. But I don't know about that soul winning. It comes as a package, honey. This isn't hometown buffet. You don't get to choose what you're going to take and what you're going to leave. You better open your mouth. You better enlarge your mouth like Brother Buxton said and swallow the whole thing. Boom, what's my name? Soul winner. Soul winner, soul winner, soul winner. What's my name? Soul winner, soul winner, soul winner. And please don't misinterpret me. I thank God for the carefulness. I thank God for the voices of warning that I've heard over the years to be careful of some of this fake, phony, in-time revival. I thank God for it, and I want to hear more of it, and I'm trying to put some of it into this message today. But I want to say this. If we're not careful, we'll get so fixated on the imposters. Hey, hey, let me say it this way. There's counterfeit $20 bills, too. So what you going to do? Get rid of all your $20 bills? Step right up, honey. I'm trying to van, buy another Sunday school van. Hey, I just talked to Brother Newton yesterday, a good man in my church, and he's going to look at a van, a 12-passenger Chevy van today. And we may, I'm, we may have a second van when we get home. Why? Because I'm not worried about the counterfeits. Because I've got the real, friend. I've got the real. Hallelujah. Hey, hear me, preacher. Hear me, saint of God. You can have revival. You can have evangelism without compromising on television and video. You can have evangelism without letting the hemlines creep up and the necklines sink low and the sleeves dissolve. You can have evangelism without letting carnal people sing in the choir and the women cut their hair and the men with hair as long as the women should be. You can have evangelism without losing the pure, clean, inward spirit of holiness that takes care of gossip and jealousy and cliques. You can have evangelism without compromise. In fact, you don't have evangelism if you've got compromise. 
I don't care how many stadiums you fill up. I don't care how many ball fields you fill up. I don't care if you got so many people, you got to fly helicopters over to count them. I don't care if it doesn't come the Acts 238, one God holding this way. It's not revival. It's not evangelism. It's simply religious mass marketing. But that's not going to deter me from winning souls and praying lots of people through and having lots of new converts. There's always going to be negative nabobs. Backbiting and pettiness in the church. But I want to show you something. I'll be done here in just a second. Well, I can't preach what I don't have to say. <laughs> Praise God, Brother Booger. Where was I at? Nattering Nabobs. Yeah. I remember when we first went to Chico and we first started having revival, there were some folks that didn't like it. And, and, and because I cut out the adult Bible school, Bible, what am I trying to say? The adult Bible class on Sunday morning. Because we'd have Bible class from 10 to 11 and then from 11 to 12 have service. And I thought, well, man, that's just two messages. I don't want to study that much. I'm cheating. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. No, I felt like we So I said, you know what we're going to do? We're, going, we're not going to have a Bible class. We're going to use that first hour. We still do it this way. We're going to use that first hour, and we're going to bring in Sunday school kids. Hallelujah. And had one old boy didn't like it. Got annoyed. And, you know, how come annoying people sound annoying too? You know, you, you could deal with annoying people easier if they had a smooth, soft, silky voice. Rich and deep. Kind of like Brother Garrett. You know, Brother Garrett gets up there. He's got one of those radio voices. <laughs> I get up there, sound like I'm hollering out of my outhouse. But he told me, you know, I think you're making a mistake, brother. You're going to run off all your adult visitors. I didn't say it. But I thought, what adult visitors? Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's always going to be somebody dragging their feet and whipping around about something. Just go ahead and knock doors and windows and have revival and love them to death and bury them under revival. Bury them under new converts. Hallelujah! If you're going to sit there and cry baby about things, get out and knock some doors, friend. Get out and teach a Bible study. There ain't no cure like soul winning. There ain't no cure like door knocking. There ain't no cure like Bible studying. There ain't no cure like bringing a visitor to church, friend. It'll get your chilies jumping. It'll get you going, friend. There ain't nothing like winning souls. I know some have misused it. Some have tainted it and abused it. But that does not release us from our responsibility to the lost. Oh, yeah, we want to talk about issues. 
And I love it when a preacher gets up and is clear on the issues. I, I like when men preach holiness and get specific and name it. I like it. I'm, I've told our church, uh, there may be people come and stand in that pulpit and preach stronger holiness uh, than we believe even, than we practice. Don't let it bother you. You amen them. You clap your hands. You praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong with somebody coming by trying to strengthen us. But now, God forbid, somebody ever steps in that pulpit at home and preaches something less than what we do. I'm going to tell you something. I love talking about the issues and making it plain and getting it clear. But there is an issue that's burning in me this morning there's 70,000 people that are lost in Chico and every one of them are on my mind that's an issue go ahead and preach the issues Go ahead and take care of television and makeup and cut hair and whirling music. Go ahead and take care of it. But somewhere we've got to get to the issue. I brought it with me this morning. It's a, it's a list printed off a computer of kids we pick up and some of these are adults. And I'm, I'm looking at Destiny and Victoria and Darnisha. I'm looking at Bryant and James and Richard and Carmen and Oscar. They don't even know West Coast is going on. They don't even know what's happening. But tomorrow somebody's going to knock their door. And Sunday morning we're going to pick them up. And that's the issue that's on my mind this morning. In fact, it's an issue that I never can really get that far away from. Are you bragging on yourself? No. Are you holding yourself up? No. Are you rebuking the rest of us? No. I'm just preaching what God put on my heart. That's the issue that's in my soul. It's just bus kids! Is Brother Raymond Detheridge in the building? I know he's busy doing a lot. Brother Raymond Detheridge... The, there he is back there, the assistant pastor of Fresno. Brother Raymond Detheridge, is it worth cranking those buses up on Sunday mornings and pouring gas? Brother Raymond Detheridge was a bus kid. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Amparo, where are you? Is Amparo here this morning? From Chico? There's Amparo. Pitt River Indian. From the tribe up near Bernie Falls up outside her. I remember Amparo and her sister Rena and her brother Carlos and their cousin. forgot his name. Tony. I think it was. I remember. Thomas. We, they were the first kids that we picked up. We'd only been in Chico about three months. They were the first kids we picked up. And brought when we started having Sunday school. Her and her sister and her brother and their cousin. We loaded them in. I had a little minivan. And we loaded them in there. And her brother Carlos stepped in doggy stuff. And got in the van. 
And they were in there having Sunday school, and I was cleaning my van. And I'm thinking, what am I doing out here? And the answer came back, you're having revival. Yeah, you're having revival. There she sits, just a bus kid. And we're going to get Rena, and we're going to get Vic and Rose and Carl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the issue that's burning in me this morning. Hallelujah. There says Sister Kim from Chico. When we first lived in Chico, we lived in an apartment for six months, and they lived next door, and we started taking her kids to church. Pretty soon she started bringing up. Next thing I knew, she was in the altar getting the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, it'll put something in you. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together. I'm going to close in just a few minutes, but I want us to get a revelation of something this morning. Oh, let's talk to the Lord. We've been on the Mount of Transfiguration. What glory! What power! What revelation! What responsibility! The Bible says in Isaiah, He poured out His soul unto death. Whatever it takes. Oh, it's so neat. Let me tell you about it. Here they come off the mountain. Oh, people. Wait till you hear what happened to us on the mountaintop. 
Wait till you hear what took place. Wait till you hear what we've seen and what we've heard. And the glory. Wait till you hear. But to that father that had a need, that thundering voice didn't mean so much. And the visions of Elias Elias and Moses didn't mean so much. You know what meant something to him? You know what the moment of meaning was? Can you help me? That's when the mountaintop was relevant. That's when it meant something. That's when it mattered. We can sing. We can shout and dance. And I love to sing and shout and dance. I hate that church. Sinners do too. We can come and preach and we need it. I'm not disparaging the meeting. We need this. Let's have more like this. I go to them. I support them. I believe in them. But when we go home, it only means something. The moment when it's all relevant is when that sinner walks through that back door and we've got something to offer. That's the moment of meaning. That's when all the shouting counts. That's when all the preaching counts. That's when all the holiness counts. Here at West Coast, we hear the voice of doctrine and holiness and separation, and we should in strength. But this morning, just for a little while, I want us to tune in to the voice of soul winning. Oh, let's reach out to the Lord right now. I'm through preaching. I want the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost to talk to us. Oh, come on, let's reach out. Let's reach out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God put it in us. God put it in us. God make us soul winners.